Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 153 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. The sun's been shining, hives have been warming and the bees have been getting out and about. The new season is upon us and I have some great tips for beginner beekeepers about what to keep in their wash buckets. Stay tuned for more beekeeping chat and a reminder about the National Honey Monitoring Scheme. short and sweet a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span a beekeeper in fact just like me welcome back everyone i hope you're all safe and well it looks like the new season is finally here and if the weather plays ball this weekend i may even be out carrying out my first inspections we're expecting temperatures in the high teens centigrade early next week so i'm definitely getting out to inspect my bees then But apart from lifting the roof and checking for available food in the form of the fondant and pollen substitute that I've been feeding, I've not opened a single colony as yet. I have removed a couple of dead colonies, but other than that, I've been doing exactly as I've suggested to everyone and kept firmly out of the hives. It's obvious the bees are doing well in a lot of the colonies. The evidence is there for any beekeeper to see as long as you know what you're looking for. You will undoubtedly see bees flying from the hive. On first consideration, a good indicator that all is well. But you do need to have a close look. All may not be as it seems. Honeybees are excellent at sniffing out an opportunity and those bees flying from the hive may well be visitors robbing out a dead colony. So stop and watch for a short while. If all is well and good, you will notice an active, healthy colony sending out workers to forage. Some will pop out on cleansing flights and others will stand guard just inside the hive entrance. If you get your timing right, you may well see new flying bees launching themselves into the air on orientation flights, stepping out for the first time, taking to the wing and turning to face the hive as if to make sure they know where home is. A bit like when some folks learn to swim, they stay close to the side of the swimming pool so that they know they're safe, perhaps. Well, anyway, these are all good signs of a healthy colony as bees leave the hive. You may also spot returning bees, the more experienced ones seeming to fly straight down to the entrance and walk straight in perfectly happy of a warm welcome as they carry in much-needed resources. The ones to particularly look out for are the pollen-loaded workers. Pollen baskets, otherwise known as corbiculi, fully laden with fresh pollen for the colony's food stores. These give the added comfort that gathering pollen is a great sign that the colony has young brood that needs feeding. Looking beneath the hive, you may also see telltale signs of activity within the healthy colony. Obviously, only if you're using open mesh floors, but you'll see a certain amount of debris that has fallen through onto the ground beneath. If you've got your hive set up on a concrete paving slab or on solid ground, you will definitely see this debris. Consisting of wax cappings removed systematically, it sometimes forms very neat rows as the bees work their way along each frame. 
you'll also see an amount of dropped pollen. Having worked so hard to collect it, mishandled pollen gets dropped and falls onto the mesh floor and beyond. I can only imagine the conversation that the workers have with each other as the bundle of pollen is carefully removed from the forager only to tumble down to the floor and beyond. Maybe honeybees can give each other frowns or tut at each other. Either way, there will be some amount of debris gathering on the ground. Compare all of this gathered information then with a colony that has died and is being robbed out. It's a free-for-all, a bun fight as it were. January sales have no comparison. It's every worker for themselves as they pile in and grab what they can. Once the call goes out that the dead out has been found and the beekeeper has left the entrance open, bees seem to find it from near and far. The proverbial bees around a honeypot. There's no niceties, no manners. They fly down and straight in, grab what they can and straight out again, taking stores and unfortunately in some instances any disease that they find back to their home colony. Watching from the outside, you'll see just that, a mob of bees rushing in and out with no orientation flights, no cautious tentative glances around to make sure that they're safe. These are the hardcore foragers who know exactly what they're about, not new recruits a little shy on their first day. What you won't see is pollen being brought back into the hive, an obvious sign that so many bees, being so busy, are not supporting the hive but taking advantage of a free meal. No obvious pattern to debris on the floor beneath the hive here either. The robbing bees will chew through cappings and rob the cell contents wherever they are, so there will be debris scattered everywhere beneath the hive, but no fresh pollen. With a heavy heart, the beekeeper lifts the roof and crime board to see a cloud of bees hit the air, frantically running around on frames and grabbing whatever they can while they can. These hives need closing down as quickly as possible and removing, but hopefully you'll not see this. All will be well, and you can marvel at how fantastic honeybees are at all the work that they do, and smile to yourself that you've managed to get your bees through yet another winter. If, like me, you've been holding off on first inspections, then now is the time to wander to your bee shed and marvel at all the wonderful kit that you've got ready to put to good use as we head out on this new season of beekeeping. When I first started beekeeping, I had a lovely old shed at the bottom of a terraced house garden that was almost the width of the garden. Not terribly huge in terraced garden sizes, maybe 10 foot long and six foot wide perhaps. It had windows that faced back up the garden towards the house and we inherited it from the previous owner. It was already old then. Years of creosote and paint covered the outside and inside there were nails and hooks on the timbers for hanging all manner of tools and useful kit. When the sun hit the shed it would suddenly erupt with what I'd call shed and beekeeper fragrances a mix of very pleasant preservative smells, such as the old creosote, but also freshly scraped propolis and wax, the workbench having been covered in debris, cleaned from hives, and now caught by the heat of the sun. Those were the days. Now, of course, I have everything either at the unit or the workshop, and actually, the house we rent doesn't have room for a potting shed, a beekeeper's shed, if you will. 
If you do have one of those, I am very envious. You lucky people. I digress as normal. Sorry about that. The point is, when you step into your shed and sit on the stool by the workbench and the sun is streaming through the window, use the time wisely to put together a few essentials for the coming season's inspections and visits to the apiaries. Most of my kit is now in those heavy-duty clip-top boxes, one for general inspections, one for queen rearing, although that's now been split into an organiser of the type that you put screws and nails into. The main thrust here is you have to be organised when you're on site at the apiary. It's easier to deal with any situations that should arise. But here I just want to start with the wash bucket. Mine is simply a £30 honey bucket with a lid. I half fill it with clean warm water and add about half a bag of washing soda. Now this is not caustic soda. Do not use caustic soda. That's something entirely different. Washing soda acts like a water softener and is fantastic for washing hive tools and general kit to remove propolis and much of that in-between hive inspection debris. I wash my hive tools each and every time between hives. Make it a routine for your beekeeping this year and keep cleanliness and hive health at the top of your priority list. This washing solution is renewed after each day's full inspections for me, but remember I'm possibly inspecting 20, 30 or 40 hives at a go. If you've only got a few hives, replace the water when it starts to get a little mucky. Something I have found is the washing soda prevents the metal objects from going rusty. I guess it must act as a rust inhibitor somehow, but all of my hive tools sit perfectly happily in the wash bucket all season long. The next thing to go into the wash bucket is a scourer or something similar to wash and clean the hive tools. A sponge washing up cleaner with the scourer pad on the back is fine, as are those rectangular green scourers, or maybe the curly wire ones, but a scourer rather than a soft sponge or cloth. It gets rid of the propolis very quickly and you can move on with your inspections. Hive tools are next. Many years ago there was really only one hive tool that we used, the standard hive tool. That's the one with a flat blade at one end and a curved blade at the other. I like them best as plain stainless steel. I'm not so keen on the painted steel ones. The paint tends to chip and flake off fairly quickly, I find. In recent times, I've also enjoyed using the J-tool, so-called because of the shape when you hold it up. Now, I don't find these to be the perfect hive tool, but a useful addition to the standard hive tool that I use. And together, all you would possibly need, in my opinion, the J-end of the hive tool has an angled notch. The J section is slipped beneath a frame and the notch slotted against the preceding frame or side of the hive box. When the hive tool is pulled back towards the beekeeper, the notch acts as a fulcrum and pivots the frame upwards. Now I find that these hive tools are much abused and misused. I see beekeepers hooking the J section under the frame and trying to lift straight up, completely missing the design element of the tool and making life for themselves intolerable as they jerk the frame skywards and anger a brood box of bees. For those of you that have seen my recent presentation on grumpy bees, you'll know I list this as a major cause of grumpiness. 
Anyway, other Hive tools are available. To me, they seem just far more complicated than they need to be. And some look very like lethal weapons with serrated edges, sharp points and edges that you could shave with. A standard Hive tool with a decent edge will perform the vast majority of jobs in and around the Hive magnificently. Combine that with a J-Tool and you're all tooled up, so to speak. Also in my wash bucket is an uncapping fork. These are perfect for ripping holes in your brand new nitrile gloves and drawing blood within the first few seconds of starting your inspections, causing the immediate halt to inspections and the replacement of said gloves. If you do keep them in your wash bucket, just remember that they're hidden in the murky waters. Uncapping forks are great for picking around the frames, checking for varroa in drone brood, and generally scraping off cell cappings to inspect what's beneath. I most frequently use them for drone brood checking, a quick and easy task made simple by the use of the uncapping fork. I also have a pair of tweezers and a small pair of sharp scissors in my wash bucket. The tweezers are great for picking out suspect larvae stuck in the bottom of cells that maybe look a little odd, great for picking off the cappings of individual cells where maybe you think something's not quite right, and generally handy for those very delicate operations that a hive tool is just too cumbersome for. I've lost count of the number of times I've spotted a capped cell where the cappings are not quite sealed completely and having unpicked it, found sac brood within. It's jobs like that where a small set of tweezers really help. They're invaluable for checking for European fowl brood, for instance, in developing larvae too. And I would recommend that you buy your own pair and not use those currently used for plucking eyebrows. Go out and buy your own. The scissors are for clipping wings on queens, a job that we'll be getting into in just a few days or weeks time. Again, the wash bucket keeps them nice and clean, rust free and always to hand. And honestly, that's pretty much everything that goes into my wash bucket. You don't need a lot of kit to inspect your bees, but it is important to keep it clean, tidy and readily to hand. The wash bucket does all of that for me. I mentioned the National Honey Monitoring Scheme at the beginning of the podcast and I wanted to encourage everyone here in the UK to get on board with supporting the excellent work that they do. If you visit the website, and of course I'll put a link in the podcast notes for you, you can register and request a sampling set from them. These samples are analysed using advanced DNA barcoding techniques to identify the species of plant pollen present. This then tells us what our bees are feeding on in different parts of the country and at different times of year. The idea being it will enable them to identify possible threats to the floral resources of pollinating insects. It's well worth the effort and the details you get back will enable you to say with confidence what your bees are foraging on. You could, of course, always buy a microscope from my website and join me in the study picking out pollen grains one by one. But then again, why not do both? Finally, remember to bookmark my podcast or sign up to my Patreon page to get each and every podcast and video as the season unfolds. Links, as usual, are in the podcast notes or on my website, www.norfolk-honey.co.uk. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Until next week, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Sweet.